Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome, listeners, to another Arcade Attack podcast. Uh, I'm Dylan. I'll be your host for the evening. We've got Keith. No. Oh, Keith's not here. Uh, Adrian. I'm here. You can never get rid Adrian of me. Adrian is here. <laughs> I'm, part of the, I'm part of the furniture, aren't I? Part of the furniture, mate. Part <laughs> of the furniture. And we've got Rob. Rob is back. Hey, it's good to be back. <laughs> Where you been, bro? Well... My TV sucked me into Video Land, and I've been helping Princess Lana, <laughs> Simon Belmont, Mega Man, and Kid Icarus fight Mother Brain. Oh, nice. Did you guys win? It's a never-ending battle. Damn it! <laughs> they did say I was better than the last guy, though, so that's good. Lana, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I'm sure everyone got the reference. So today, we are talking about, like I said in the Amiga podcast, I said we're talking about three Amiga games today. Uh, three... Well, no, there's only two Zool games, so how can you talk about three of them? Sure. <laughs> I gotcha. We're talking about three cyberpunk Amiga games and MS-DOS games, if we're going to be technical, that I, used, that, that I loved. Are they the all day. cyberpunk, or is it just kind of sci-fi it's stuff? It's cyberpunk overtones. I'm, I'm playing it hard and fast with the term cyberpunk with these, but it's. I feel like if people were to remake these, which I think someone should, I think they could have you know stronger... Cyberpunk influences. This, oh uh, yeah, just go. Yeah, I'm going for that. it. I'm going we'll for it. <laughs> we're we're going to be talking about Beneath the Steel Sky, uh, Universe, and a game called Dreamweb, which I'm sure people have heard about. Um, uh, Adrian's looking at me very quizzically. You, I, you guys have had a, a quick, a quick whiz on some of these. Yeah, but I'd never heard of any of them before <laughs> you sent me the links I, to those. I had, I had heard of Beneath the Steel Sky, quite a famous game. And I had heard of Dreamware before, but Universe, eh, eh. Universe, I don't even know if Universe was out for actual retail. I can't <laughs> see it. I couldn't seem to find a retail copy. I think I, I played it on some bootleg back in the day. And... Gotta say though, I don't think out of those three, the only one that's, uh, cyberpunk I'd say is Dreamware. The other two are more sci-fi. Sci-fi. Well, well, wouldn't I... you say they had cyberpunk elements? Mm, not. Maybe the Beneath Steel Sky does a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you know. I did a bit of research and I found out that Universe was the best-selling game in the Amiga. 
What? In a parallel universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we haven't even started properly, and the jokes have started already. But okay, so so I'm going to title this Amiga slash MS DOS Cyberpunk games uh, that I, that could do with a remake. Um, we'll start with the first one, which is, in spite of what Adrian just said, the most well the most well known is Beneath the Steel Sky. Uh, it was yeah, like I said, released on DOS. It was released in March 1994. Mm. All three of these were around that time, right? Mm. All three of these were pretty much within the same year or a year and a half. Because this so. is like near the epicenter of cyberpunk. You're kind of, um, mm. William Gibson obviously coined, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but William Gibson kind of terms the whole kind of like, uh, cyberpunk thing in the early 80s when he writes Neuromancer and that mm-hmm. kind of genre develops. Um, early 90s, it becomes very big. Like, um, Billy Idol puts out an entire album, a cyberpunk kind of concept album, which mm-hmm. it destroyed his career. And, Is that um, a good album, though? Would you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was, uh, he, this lead song is a song called Shock to the System, but he, it's really weird because he pronounced it System. Shock to the system. <laughs> to the system. It's re- really weird. And then, like, uh, like we're kind it. of on the cusp of that uh, amazing year of cyberpunk in Hollywood, where um, all so many hit films came out. Judge Dredd, mm. Tank Girl, mm. Barbed Wire, yeah. The Net. All massive hits. Yeah. All massive hits. In a parallel universe. In a parallel universe. <laughs> oh, and of course, the biggest one of all, Johnny Mnemonic. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Amazing film, Johnny Mnemonic. Has that aged well? <laughs> no, um, I don't think any of them have aged Tank well. Girl has become a big cult film, but it's yeah. a bad film. But none of them have aged well. They're all bad. But Barbed yeah. Wire, Pam, Pamela Anderson, right? Yeah. yeah. I guess maybe, yeah. So these three games were released around that sort of mid-90s-y style, you know, when, yeah. when, when all these things were great. It was, it, was a, it was a common... It was a common theme, wasn't it? It was an easy theme. I think, you know, for me, can, you know, video games are about fantasy. <clears throat> yeah. About, you know, something that's a bit... Gritty, you know, yeah. cyberpunk it. Yeah? Cool. All right. Uh, so, Beneath the Steel Sky was released by Revolution Software, who are still going today because they've remastered most of their back catalogue um, on iOS. Yeah. So, you can actually get Beneath the Steel Sky on iOS for a couple of quid. Uh, yeah. It was released in 2009. Oh, my God. It was released 10 years ago <laughs> on iOS. So, yeah. Uh, across the board... Critically, it got about 80-90%. Yeah, it's well-received, wasn't it? Very well-received. Um, even though I couldn't find the specific figures, it is regarded as one of the best-selling Amiga games. Yeah. So, <laughs> and not uh, in a parallel universe. Not in a parallel universe. <laughs> uh, the, I suppose the, the iOS version downloaded, uh, well, released, downloaded, exported, whatever you want to say, 20,000 units. That's not bad. In a month. In the first month, it was in release. So. I mean, I got it on GOG for free. Yeah, yeah, you can get it on GOG. Yeah, um, um, not sure if it's still free, but it's on Steam as well. I think it's on Steam. It's not. It's not very expensive, is it? It's not, and I think it's a great game. Right. The, the the reason I kind of I've, I've chosen these three games is I think there's more. I think they were good games back in the day, but there's more to come from them, and you know that's what it's not just remakes for remakes sake. Because they are all three of them point and click games. They're all point and click games. Mm-hmm. They're all point and click games. Which I know Adrian's a big fan of point yeah. and click games, but do you, here's a question before we start. How viable do you think the point and click genre is in 2019? 
Uh, well, it's not. I think that's another reason I want to bring this back because mm. it's these games have got really good storylines. Um, you know, they captivated me 20 odd years ago or 25 years ago. <laughs> um, I just like to see something different being done with them, whether it's VR, third person, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, point and click. I don't know, it's got a little resurgence with Thimbleweed Park and there's yeah. a few other sort of bits and bobs knocking about. It's, I think someone made a new Day of the Tentacle game, quite a new one. It's like a fan homage, like a sequel. So you said it there, so it's homage, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of, there's a there's a buzzing community on on the internet about point and click, but it's not mm. a huge market. But it's a it's a passionate market. It's for say. retro gamers, isn't it? It's yeah. not for the current gamer. Yeah. So if you wanted to to bring something to the current gamer, it has to be a first person game or a third person game. Or a VR game, something like that. And I think these three, these three games, for varying reasons, as I'm going to go into, are worthy of that. Whether anyone will, will take up the mantle, I, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's looking at you, Dylan. It's you. Your job. I'm not. I can't make these games. They're just they're <laughs> going to be too complex. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it is. It was. You know, going back to Beneath the Steel Sky, it was one of the the better regarded games on the Amiga. Uh, S- slightly strangely, it's not, you know, for these cyberpunk games, you usually go into Europe or America. This one was actually set in Australia. I don't know, did you guys, did you guys pick that up when you were having a look at Beneath the Seal Sky for me? Yeah, cause, uh, in the intro sequence, he gets adopted by an Aboriginal tribe. Boom. There he is. So, uh, <laughs> nah, it went over my head like a boomerang. Right. So, the, <laughs> the main, the main guy is a guy called Robert. <laughs> yep. How does it feel to live in that game, Rob? <laughs> yeah. So you could be the, you know, the new Robert for, for new Beneath the Steel Sky. Yeah. Uh, so he was, he's a, he's the only survivor in a helicopter crash, which kills his mum. So. He has an American accent though, right? No one else. Yes, he has an American He has an American accent. accent and everyone else in the film has British accents, apart from like the kind of el- tribe elder who has an Australian accent. Now, that's only in the CD-ROM version. So in the Amiga version, I played. You can have any accent you want. You can have you can, the accents were in your brain. So <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, I'd watch a, I'd watch a lot of Neighbours <laughs> when I was younger. So so everyone in Beneath the Seals guys uh, talked a bit like Madge Bishop or Harold um, Bishop. Oh, Harold Bishop. So or Natalie Imbruglia. Oh, or Natalie Imbruglia. Dude, oh, don't even give me stuff. Polly Valance. Polly Valance. Oh, stop it. Or right. whichever one of the Hemsworths was in it. Hemsworth was not in Neighbours. <laughs> Pretty sure one of them is in Neighbours, one of them is in Home and Away. Well, get out of it. What? Um, <laughs> Mind blown. Right, I'll go and Google that afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Robert's Rob, our Rob is completely right. So he's fostered by. Well, it's 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 listed in the notes as a local tribe, but it's uh, it's an Aboriginal tribe, isn't it? Uh, they they gave him the surname Foster. So he's called Robert Foster. They gave him the surname Foster because they fostered him. And also, Pat, there was there was a can of beer nearby. Have you was, it, was it a castle made by any chance? <laughs> the can of beer is actually in the intro sequence. Really? So, huh? I didn't even can catch of that. Fosters. Ha <laughs> ha! See, did oh. Fosters pay money to have their drinking? That's you think? They didn't have the official Fosters logo <laughs> on the on the can. So, you but say, you have to say that it's a very well uh, artfully drawn intro sequence. Yeah. It is. It's yeah, lovely. I like the it's got a really good um, sort of comic comic book vibe. But there is. A good reason behind that. So I'll, I'll come to that. I'll come to that in a, in a short while. Uh, the, this is really funny. The 
organization. So the world's been damaged by something called the Euro-American War. So Australia are uh, been kept out of it. So the, the the Europeans and the Americans cause a massive war, uh, but not. It's not clear whether it's nuclear or you know um, pollution or whatever. Um, there is now a NATO esque organization who have agreed on some ideals. The main ones of which are to remove all labor representation and social benefits. Like I'm not even kidding. Whoa. Yeah. Ninety four. Right. Um, so yeah, so Robert's got to learn how to scavenge, how to survive in this post, I hate hate using this term, post-apocalyptic world. Uh, but he's got a buddy. He's got a buddy. He's got a buddy. And his buddy is called Joey. So it's a bit like a reverse mac and cheese. (laughs) So you've got, so this, that's another clue. So there's a bit of a reverse mac and cheese. So Robert's the human and Joey's the robot. Yeah. So rather than <laughs> mac and cheese, you got cheese and mac. And you got another Aussie reference there. And you got another Joey. Kangaroo, kangaroo, yeah, kangaroo, baby kangaroo. Shall I say it? No, I won't say it. What is Joey better than the Rocky or robot? Oh, <laughs> I went there. One thing, right? Because we, love, as our listeners will know, we do love Rocky for robot. But <laughs> Joey, one of the main things of Beneath the Steel Sky is you have to put Joey into different shells. Oh. Like, he is essentially just like a circuit board. Um, Wait a minute, there can't be a robot in this game, Dylan, because you said there are almost no robots in fiction that have personalities. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you changed your tune all of a sudden? Are you going back to my Rise of the Robots thing? Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. That's yonks ago, man. <laughs> Trust you to remember things I say. Anyway, so, um, Joey, so it's a point-and-click game. Like Rob said, it's a point-and-click game. And Joey's on this cir- this circuit board. And the first thing you put him in... I remember you put him into a Hoover. <laughs> it's the first <laughs> thing you have to put him in. But you have to put him in different things around the game to obviously so, to to solve certain puzzles. Ooh, that's that's clever. pretty cool, right? Oh, I saw bits of it, and yeah, some of the robots are quite humanoid. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a really well. No, I don't want to give too many spoilers away. Oh, sorry. Actually, better give just an all-round spoiler alert. I, I'll try and keep them to a minimum, but some of these are pretty critical in why I want to, you know, want these games to be remade. Um, so. He's got, so Robert and Joey, you know, living in the outback. Oh, having a good time. (laughs) For seemingly no reason, Robert is kidnapped. So he must have some kind of importance. Uh, By. And and taken to Union City by some nasty people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know who the people, whoever the the lords of that state are, have just kidnapped him. The Um, fascist police force. Police force, thank you. Fascist police force, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, and so the plot kind of goes from there. So the he's in another helicopter crash. I mean, how, you know, how 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 unlucky do you have to be to be in two helicopter crashes, but then also to survive? And so, also, uh, I don't think going back to the tribe is an option because why wasn't? Oh, did they did they kill them all? They nuke the entire they area on the way out. It. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you're here just to fill in my my blanks about the about the <laughs> plot. But yeah, so it starts off from there. It's it shouldn't be hilarious, but the beginning of the game is pretty hilarious because you see the the helicopter crash. Like Robert kind of rolls out with Joe. It's it is funny. It is funny, but it is great. It looks great on the Amiga. Uh, it looks good on the MS DOS as well. It looks really cool. Amiga and MS DOS 
pretty much shoulder to shoulder. Carbon the, copies. The, the only thing the Amiga really lost out on was the storage space because it had to come on floppy disks. Mm. Um, because you didn't have a C until later on mm. in the A1200's life, you didn't have a, a CD-ROM storage. It had the same sort of look and feel of, um, I think, um, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis kind of graphics, would you agree? Sort of that yep. sort of style. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. the same, same kind of style, but obviously with a cyberpunk. Yeah. No sci-fi, whips. Sci-fi. No whips. <laughs> no, no whips. Minimal no snakes. But, you know, they're, oh, I, I forgot to say, this one and Dreamweb are both now, I think, officially abandonware. And oh. you can play them both through the scum engine, yeah. the scum virtual machine. Yeah. Uh, online, which is scum, with two M's, of course, vm.org. So that's what I would recommend people do. How how are you going to play Universe? You probably won't be able to play Universe. You probably <laughs> just have to watch it on YouTube. So, tough, tough. If you weren't there back in the day, then tough. Uh, so, yeah, it was built using Revolution's virtual theater engine, uh, first used in their other massive game, Lore of the Temptress. You ever play that one? I have, no, I've heard of it. That's also on Scum VM, also worth a look, but. Because I love point and click, but I'm guilty of sticking mainly to LucasArts or LucasFilm. You're like a LucasArts fanboy. Uh, yeah, but I have played things like King's Quest a little bit, and I did play a bit of things like, um, Simon Sorcerer, so I did. That, that was the furthest I went, really. Operation so. Stealth? No. Oh, man. I'm, I'm a Lucas man, what can I say? Oh, you're a Sorry. Lucas guy. Um, okay, wow. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's by the by. I did play a bit of Beneath the Steel Sky. I'm really early in the game, but I'm going to um, keep plodding along. I'm enjoying it so far. Beneath the Steel Sky is it's engrossing, and I like how Rob picked out that it was a nice sort of comic intro to the game because it was a brainchild of uh, Revolution founder Charles Cecil, who I've tried to contact, but I'll say a bit about that in a minute. Uh, a guy called Dave Cummins. Sad story there. Uh, a guy called Daniel Marchant, who I tried to contact, didn't, couldn't get, couldn't get hold of him. Um, and also Dave Gibbons. Well, I think Rob would probably have heard of Dave Gibbons. He was one of the. He was the artist for Watchmen, most famously. Artist oh. for Watchmen. So he's big. He is. So a I big didn't planner. even. I didn't even bother trying to contact him. So I uh, will just remember that because um, I had about a six-month period of unemployment a few years back, mm. and I interviewed to manage at Forbidden Planet. What? Yeah, the one in Croydon. Oh, it's going to actually got to the second interview for that. But on the first interview, I had to go to the head office and take like a quiz on comics and sci-fi. And you smashed of, it, right? Um, I did all right. I didn't smash it. There were some hard questions in there, mm. but um. One of the questions is, who is the artist and watchman? I was like, so to the guy after, I was like, oh, I just couldn't remember that. I know that, but I couldn't remember it. And he's lifting the way down, lifting the, on the way down, he's talking about like, oh, a few things. Oh, yeah, I've got this new Dave Gibbons book. And I sat my fingers and went, Boom. Dave Gibbons, that's the artist watching me. He's like, yeah, I just want to test you out, see if you do. <laughs> uh, so now I will always remember that. And wow. Watchmen, yeah, amazing. I mean, the art is really good in the Beneath the Steel Sky, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But no, the uh, like the art in Watchmen is so intricate, like the number of frames, mm-hmm. like in each panel, and it's actually symmetrical. The first, I believe, one of the Ooh. issues wow. is actually like the framing is the same backwards and forwards. Wow, that's mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He's a funky gibbon. He's a. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, Alan Moore obviously wrote that. The great comics' greatest geniuses. Well, comics, one of I think the top three geniuses in kind of comic book mm-hmm. history, was obviously also. Mm. Partially responsible for that. You know Alan Moore. 
Uh, wrote From Hell, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, V for Vendetta. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot I mean, of bad films made out of those, but the source material is amazing. Right. Needless to say, Rob is our, is our expert on such <laughs> things, compared, especially compared to me and Adrian. Um, but yeah, so the, it was the brainchild of those four. So they wanted a graphic adventure yeah. that's, you know, closely linked to you know, comic books and that yeah. kind of, you know, it's that kind a mature, of feel. A mature film. Twitter, it is, right? is quite mature. Mm. A lot of the dialogue in the game is pretty, not, not raunchy, but it's not, mm. you know, it's, it's not, it's not you. It's more sort of PG kind of 12, 12 rated, but it's good, you know, it's, it's, you know. So what do you actually have to do in the game? So in the game, you have to get out of Union City. So you are Robert and you've got to use Joey. Uh, to get, cause you're, you're on the run, essentially. You are, you are, you know, it's, it's akin to a, a prison bus, you know, transportation bus crashing and, and the guys, you know, the convicts escaping. You are said convict and you've got to get out of there. But there are plot twists and here, you know, you find out why Robert's there. Uh, do, do I, I don't know if I should tell people this, but, uh, we'll go back to the, uh, the synthesis, the synthesis of this. Uh, so I wanted to get a hold of Dave Cummins. Mm. So Dave Cummins, everyone at Revolution, from what I hear, loves Dave Cummins. So he did the, I mean, he did a lot of stuff here. I think he was the composer. He wrote the game. He, um, might have done some programming behind it as well. So he was the, you know, he was mm. the main guy who I wanted to find. Uh, unfortunately, I found a forum thread by a guy called, you know, something, something silly, Infinitron. Mm. Do you like that? Infinitron? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Should be a new uh, comic book, shouldn't it? Infinitron. He said, he said this, right? He said this. So, uh, this is verbatim. Uh, his old boss, Paul Cooper, who gave him his first gig in the games industry as his assistant, uh, had been in contact with Dave's younger brother and wrote me to let me in on the sad news uh, I'm not sure how he died, uh, but he was living in Hull and unfortunately had been cursed with deteriorating health. So Dave Cummins apparently is not with us. Uh, like I said, I tried to contact Charles, uh, Charles Cecil at Revolution yeah. and he's very kind. No, he, he wrote back to me and said, uh, we've got a big announcement on the way. I can't talk right now, but after that's done, then I'll pick up your any email Q&A and stuff. Sounds like uh, one down on the remakes, maybe two to go. So, you know, I don't know if he's going to come back and say, well, you know, we found someone who's really good with Unreal Engine and they're, mm. <laughs> and they're making a new Beneath the Steel Sky, but why not? Who knows? Who knows? I keep on checking back on their pages uh, and their Twitter pages and things. I I mean, he's a, he made Broken... Broken Sword. Sword. Yeah. He's a big name, isn't he, Charles Cecil? We like Charles, Charles Cecil. Charles Cecil and Dave Cummins... Mm. Uh, it sounds like it, it was like a love-hate relationship. Uh, I think you had Charles is the, you know, the, the business kind of driven, business maybe driven one. Mm. And then Dave is the sort of enigmatic genius or yeah. was, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think it said, uh, I've not put it down there. I think he might have passed away as, um, as late as 2007, mm. 2008. So it's, it's very sad because it's super yeah. sad. Um, so. They'd have to tap into the story, the game, a different way um, without him. So it's really sad. 
But so Infinitron goes on actually. So he contacted Charles Cecil as well. Uh, and Charles says this, uh, as I've often said, Dave was a troubled genius. Uh, he may have been pretty, he may have been pretty damning of me as we didn't always see eye to eye. Uh, but I totally respect and now miss his intelligence and talent. Mm. So that kind of confirms the fact he's probably passed away. Um, but yeah, really sad, really sad. Uh, before I go into sort of my, 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 my final points about Beneath the Steel Sky, I mean, do you guys think it's worth a remake from, from what you've seen? I, I like the look of it. I like the, the feel of the game. Um, why not? I think it's only available currently. Well, it's, it's available online, isn't it? Could it be remastered? Is that what you're well, thinking? So... That remaster on iOS yeah. is just a sharper version of the original game. It's not, it's not like a complete yeah. overdo. Um, because we're we're up in the air, aren't we, about the remasters of Monkey Islands and so forth? And I think people, yeah, I don't like the look of it. Yeah, no. it's yeah. If it can be done quite well. I think Full Throttle was done quite well, mm. but it's got to be done very carefully with with keeping respect to the. I mean, do you make a whole new game? That's the thing. Well, that's the thing. I think the whole Robert Joey. Um, mechanic I think the the setting you know it's quite dark it's got a very but, relevant story but the <laughs> so. game visually is not really that dark I mean I know it's in the future yeah. and there's a lot of like kind of rooms electronics in but um, yeah I'd I don't yeah I don't know like it doesn't it's why to me it doesn't really feel cyberpunk I it's like, not dark um, enough is it for you it's not I think because you couldn't, you know, the, the Amiga MS-DOS only had a certain palette. I think now you've got, yeah, you can go into your darker colours. There's a lot more sort of spectrum in your darker colours you can do now. Uh, it, it, I think it tries to, it tries to look dark without, without actually looking dark. Like, yeah, I like the concept of it, but I think, um, the actual original game is too, the game field for me is a little bit too small. I mean, it basically takes place in, and around one building, doesn't it? Yeah, one bit in, yeah, one bit in Union City. Mm. Like, I there think is... a full-size Union City could be a mm. fantastic game. That's, see, this is the thing. I think Beneath a Steel Sky, I mean, it was a big game. I mean, I think when I, when I had it, I think it was on about 10 discs. I don't mm. know if it, I don't know if I'm getting confused with Rise of the Robots. I think it was on about 10 discs, but you're right. A lot of the scenery is reused. Like, you keep on going mm. back to the same rooms. Uh, and only really at the end, do you go somewhere completely different? Mm. See, I, um, that's, I like point of click adventures where you go to New Islands and Monkey Island. I've always liked going to new areas. Mm. And I like Indiana Jones. I always like going to new parts of the world. And I just think if you keep going back to the same place, it doesn't really, it, no. it, it sounds quite repetitive, maybe. They, Imagine a futuristic, like, kind of cityscape thing of like Shenmue or, um, mm. like properly exploring kind of game. Yeah. So you could do, it's funny because you mentioned Black Eyes White Noise. Mm. I think this kind of storyline in that kind of world make it bigger. Mm. There's your game. There's your there's your cyberpunk third get, person. Get BJ West on board. Bob's your uncle. BJ West is up for it. He's up for it. I've well, called him now. He's he's up for it. Uh, but we assume. You, <laughs> you say about that one building in Union City, yeah. But yeah. it's about putting Robert in different forms of danger, isn't it? Because he's always on the run from police, and you have to do a lot of things. Not really in real time, but not as real time as Dreamweaver. I'll get into later. Uh, but it's, mm. you know, it, it's got that kind of, you know, you never know if you're going to get captured. You never know. Mm. I love that, you know, that kind of feeling that there's always something nasty around the corner. It, you know, it, it captivated 11 year old me. Also, maybe because it's quite bright because it's beneath a steel sky and steel is quite reflective. 
Uh, so maybe it should be, be beneath a brick sky. <laughs> Bricks aren't cyberpunk either. <laughs> <It's not laughs> cyberpunk. Beneath a brick sky. There you go. That's the sequel name. You can have that for free, Charles. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Um, well, if you had to live under a, a metal sky or any type of sky that ha- couldn't be normal sky, what would you choose? Diamond. Oh. Diamond sky. You wouldn't choose... What, does it, it can't be see-through. <sighs> well, like a dome, like in the Simpsons yeah. movie. Mm. No, it can't be see-through then. So maybe gold? Can you imagine gold? So it had to be something that you don't mind looking at that kind yeah. of reflects on. Yeah, gold. Gold is a little bit too bright for me. I want something that the sun can kind of shine through and reflect through. Like a jewel, like jewel. maybe an opal or a sapphire Rubies. or something. Yeah. Beneath a gold sky? What? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have a great ring to it either. No. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I think... I made a couple of notes beneath this seal sky like further. I think it could be episodical. Why does it have to end? Because the game... And the story, okay, you know, it ends with in a reunion of sorts. That's the only that's the only clue I've high school reunion. A Rob. reunion. Good to see uh, you. What have you been up to these last few years? But then it just kind of ends. Oh. It kind of ends that you know Robert wins the day, and but why can't it be episodical? Why can't it be about him being like you know in the, this massive Union City and having to do new things and you've got new characters Union coming City in. Stories Union City Stories? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the actual yeah. setting reminded me a lot of Judge Dredd. Like yeah. the kind of the megalopolis city and like the outlands outside. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe yeah. they could bring in <laughs> Union Kane as the president, maybe from from Rocky Five. You Adrian. basically have to have some kind <laughs> yeah. of Rocky reference yes. in it. Stop bringing Rocky references <laughs> every five minutes. If Sorry. Adrian, if Adrian is going to have anything to do with this, then yeah, he has to. <laughs> we have to have some kind of Rocky reference. Sorry, in it. no more Rocky references. Yeah. Well, you know. I think I think it's worth doing. I think if any if any indie devs are out there and they want my input on it and they want to do it, just give me a call. Uh, do, you, do you want the back of the box before we? Do? Oh, we got back of the box. <laughs> I managed to do some. Uh... Did you want a jingle for back of the yeah, box? Yeah, we'll give you a jingle, please. Back the box, back the box, back the box, jingle. Let's uh, actually put something together for the next episode. <laughs> back, next time we do that. Back of the box. All right, so beneath your sewer sky. This we'll give Keith something to do. If you're on the fence, this might push you in the right direction. This could oh, be the deciding oh, vote. Uh, here, we go, here we go. Here we go. Featuring Revolution's innovative virtual theatre system and stunning artwork from award-winning comic book artist Dave Gibbons, Beneath the Steel Sky's gripping science fiction thriller set in a bleak vision of the future. Robert Foster is an innocent outsider stranded in a vast city where oppressed civilians live and work in soaring tower blocks, while the corrupt Covetus and rich lie in underground shielded from air or pollution. Alone, save for a robot circuit board, Foster must fight for survival and discover the sinister truth behind this abduction. Nice. They could have played up the, the the Joey thing a bit more than a circuit board. He's a circuit board. Armed with a circuit board. <laughs> <laughs> Who writes these things? I don't know. Anyway, hopefully, hopefully Dave hasn't written that. Dave Cummins, but rest in peace, Dave. I think he's. I think he did a great job with this. Uh, I've read somewhere else that they had to bring in someone to help him with the script, but I'm going to ignore that and just say that he made this. And you know, yeah. Rest in peace. Great job. So we'll move on to probably the least cyberpunk of the three. A universe. Ooh. Uh. A game that I don't know if there are any physical copies of, apart from <laughs> from this weird bootleg that I have, and the guy who did it, and the guy who did the uh, the walkthrough on YouTube. By least cyberpunk, you mean not remotely cyberpunk? <laughs> oh at all. come on! <laughs> some of the some of the the towns and things you go to are very cyberpunky. They they are. It's just sci-fi and futuristic. It's not the same. 
Do you want me to retitle the podcast then? Is it Amiga Sci-Fi Games that will that, that we'll and have? Universe? <laughs> I'll put Sci-Fi slash Cyberpunk. Um, but yeah, okay. So it's it's very sci-fi. How did you play this game? Are you going to talk about that? Because I'm interested now. You got a copy of this mythical game. I don't even know. Are you sure you didn't have it? Because <laughs> I've never played it before. Who was my? I can't remember who I used to get Amiga games off of back in the day. It was you and some other people, but I can't. They're probably not friends with them anymore. But yeah, it could have been. Maybe someone came back in time from the parallel universe, gave you know the only copy to. And it was your job to copy that copy and give it to and spread it, but you didn't, did it. you? That, no. no, no, I didn't. No. Oh well. <laughs> That's why I need someone to remake it. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, released 94. I couldn't get what month it was released in 94, mm. but I'm guessing probably after Beneath the Steel Sky, if Beneath the Steel Sky was released in March. So, 94 was a big year. Big, mm. big year. By Core Design. Oh, yeah. So they definitely existed, right? <laughs> they did. Core Design definitely existed. Uh, they only had, they only tried their hand at two adventure games. And this, this was one. Oh. And Curse of Enchantia was the other. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you look at this with them with Curse, uh, Curse of Enchantia, uh, you look at Revolution with Laura the Temptress, you know, these are good rivals to LucasArts yeah. games, aren't they? Yeah, they, so, could, they look good. Still not selling you, am I? No, um, not quite yet. I'm listening. <laughs> uh, but, so Curse of Enchantia is a weird game because there's no dialogue in it. Don't know if you've ever played it properly, no. but there's no dialogue in it. So, you, um, Corrid, done that and gone well okay we've probably got a panda to to lucas arts you know style a little bit one thing about universe is it's got a lot of dialogue there's a you spent you spent half the time reading oh the intro the intro went on and on i know text it was after so te- boring. Oh, it this is a, you know <laughs> sorry there is it, it it got quite good reviews in the, you know, the, the, the reviews that were able to get a, a hold of the copy. Yeah. They used to get, they get about 80, 85%. So it's not, it's not a poorly rated game. I just think it could have been done better. Uh, yeah. I think there is scope to do it better. Uh, it's the brainchild of, uh, Rolf Moore. Have you guys heard of Rolf? No. Yeah. Nope. Um, he is now, uh, concept artist for the Halo games. Wow. So he's pretty, he went, he went on to do big things, to do big things, big things. He was, I think, lead, lead graphic designer on, uh, Curse of Enchantia. And then they just let him run with this. And I think, again, it's a great story is the main thing. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it, again, it really, it really, it really pushes the Amiga palette and the Amiga, um, it wasn't an A1200 game. It was mm. an AGA game. It was, you know, it was something that you could pick up on your one megabyte A500 plus or your A600. It, you know, really pushed that machine to, you know, mm-hmm. to, to the, to, to its limits. Uh, you are uh, a guy called Boris. <laughs> there aren't enough Borises in video games, right? Question? Mm. <laughs> no? Well, there's a uh, Boris and Goldeneye. There's a Boris and Goldeneye. <laughs> I am Boris. <laughs> I mean, you can you play it in the GoldenEye game then, Boris? You might be able to play it in the multiplayer, I think, if yeah. uh, you can unlock him. I think you might have to unlock him. I don't think he's one of the main ones. It's, it's a shame. A Boris spin-off game would be quite good, isn't it? But there you go. <laughs> what? It just involves you hacking into stuff. <laughs> yeah. You're running oh. away. Man, you guys are on a roll today. Uh, <laughs> the, the plot, <laughs> the plot pretty much mirrors another world. So, it does, does it? Yeah. Yeah. So, except, you know, 
switching, not Lester Chaikin, switching Boris. I didn't know, I didn't know that Boris's surname, but Boris is only 16 years old. Mm. So he's been, Boris Vern. There you go. There you go. So I think maybe there's like a Jules Vern kind of tie in there. Boris Vern. Uh, so he's been zapped away, but, uh, so he's messing about with one of his uncle, jo- one of his uncle George's adve- inventions. Right, yeah. Uncle George has an invention. <laughs> Boris messes with it and boo. That's like another world universe. then, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but you know, Lester was messing with his own experiments and got zapped to another world. He had a can of drink as well, didn't he? Maybe that was Foster's as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then he'd be drinking well, and that, driving. That was what we were drinking when we were 16. <laughs> True, yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh, no, man. Um, but instead of a big old vat of water, yeah, you land on a, like a little asteroid, like a little planetoid thing. Mm. So there's another thing that, that, that got me about universe is, uh, it doesn't have standard gravity. So yeah. in every point in collect game is on Earth <laughs> or in, you know, different, you know, planets as a butt with, you know, a, a G, you know, one G. Whereas universe, this planetoid and things that you start on, it's like, you know, it's like being on the moon. Okay. I think I was, there's an exception to that. How about the dig? I think that's got gravity the in it. Dig, to be the fair. dig. I was okay. wondering if it was less gravity like the moon or more gravity like the planet in Phantasm. Um, you can jump high. Floaty. Floaty. Yeah, the, the, the whole point is that you can jump high and it, you know, you, you can do things you don't, you don't really think you can do. So when you're Boris and you're on this planetoid and you've got to get to another mm. bit that takes you up to the main yeah, city. I saw that bit. That was cool. You have to, there's a spinning, mm. there's like a spinning asteroid thing. And you're thinking, well, I can't get up there. <laughs> but you have one of your jump functions. You know, it's more like one of these LucasArts and you choose what function you want to do and you click on the, you click on the object. You can just jump, boom, click on the planetoid, but you've got to time it. Yeah. So because it's spinning around and it's orbiting the planetoid that you're on, yeah. you have to time it. Otherwise, you miss the thing and then you end up some other far, <laughs> in some other part of the planetoid. Man, there are a lot of options in this game, a lot of stuff you can click. It's, yeah. It is vast, actually, for that. There's a, lot of, there's a lot to read. There's a lot of different things you can do with things. And it's very specific. And a lot of the puzzles make absolutely no sense. <laughs> but... But this, you know, this is why I think because there is a good game under there, it had, there is a scope for not just paying homage to it. I think there's a scope to make something better, especially something in VR. Can you imagine something in VR, like mm. in universe, and you're like, you're like kind of zero G and, can you imagine that? Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be great. It would be great. There is, um, so you land on the asteroid, you've got to find, that, that's why I think it's a bit cyberpunky because all the people, uh, that, that Boris meets are miserable. They are absolutely miserable. It's dark. It's moody. It's got that kind of, you know, we don't want him being here kind of feeling. No? It's just sci-fi dystopia. Ah, oh, sci-fi dystopia. Alternate universe. It's not cyberpunk. Ah. Oh. Well, we'll let our listeners decide. Have a, have a, have yeah, back Cyberpunk has very <laughs> precise elements to it. You need like evil corporations and like trench coats. Evil and, corporations. And cyborgs say. and this. <laughs> Like, Where's the trench coats, Dylan? Yeah, there's no cyborgs in this, actually. Um, all right. Well, anyway. So, sci-fi, sci-fi story universe. Um, so you've got to bounce off all these asteroids. Uh, there are, like I said, there, there's a, lo- a lot of the puzzles are trying to avoid guns and getting shot. And I really wanted Keith to be here because I gave Keith my copy of No Man's Sky. Have you guys played No Man's Sky? Nope. Have nope. you ever heard of No Man's Sky? Yep. So No Man's Sky is a super boring 
wander around a randomly generated universe game that I, even though I paid £15 for it, I actually gave it to Keith. I said, don't <laughs> even give me this game back. Just have it. I had loads of hype, didn't it, that game? Is that right? Oh, it was crazy hype. And then people returned it the next day. It's famous, wasn't it? How yeah, bad it but, was. Yeah. But, it, but apparently there's, an, there's been an update that puts some kind of structure in the story to that now. Right. But why can't the plot of universe be put into that game? Like, you guys need to have a look at this because the whole, um, a, a lot of No Man's Sky looks rough because it's, uh, because it's procedurally generated. It needs to have assets and things that can be just popped out into a planet. If they took the time and care to actually craft proper planets and design it properly, a plot like Universe, a plot like Boris kind of, you know, bouncing around this little solar system trying to, you know, it would work. It would work, I think. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's, it's really, it's really funny. It's again, it's a little bit, it's a little bit adult. Um, but again, you know, really love it. The, the, the humor is very much on par with, with Beneath the Steel Sky. Yeah, so dark um, kind of humor, sort of. Apart from the, the constant reading, I think it, you know, it's one of the few things that kind of keeps it from being a 90, a 90% game. I will say like the humor in a lot of these games is very of its time, like 1994, that whole kind yeah. of, um, I don't know, it just feels, something about it, about it just feels dated. And we're like that kind of the sensibility to it as well in terms of the kind of tone. That makes sense. It is very much like post Bill Hicks, same kind of time as the uh, Starman comics. If anyone's read those, like kind of. Yeah, I mean, there's not much in these to offend anyone. Um, no, but I mean, it's not an offensive thing so much. It's more like the kind of cool, wise, cracky, like um, pe- you know what I mean. Like yeah, I know this guy is very much yeah. like that kind of. Th- I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. Yeah. But it feels very much... I don't mean that in a bad way. It just is what it is. It feels 90s It does. <laughs> yeah, 90s All of these games feel really 90s And that's why I've enjoyed you know, going through them and revisiting them, because it's, they're, like, they're like time capsules. Did you complete Universe back in the old days? I didn't. I had to watch the, uh, the walkthrough to actually see how it ended. Oh, okay. Um, and there's a lot of things in there, actually, that I forgot were in it. So it's got loads of side games in it. Oh, so it? you know how Full Throttle's got yeah. all those little... No. Sam and Max has got quite a few as well, to be fair. But from what... Yeah. Again, this is from memory. I think that... I think there's a Space Harrier-type side game in Another World... Uh, no, in Another World, in, in Universe. I think there is a uh, kind of a jokey spa- um, Space Invaders. So, you know, it, it doesn't... It's not just a point-and-click game. It's yeah. got these other... It's, if they're you know, done well, to... they can be really quite fun. They add to the game, I think. Yeah. But they can also some detract from the game, I think. Yeah. I, I haven't played them, to be fair, on this particular game. I think I think they did neither with, with Universe. I think they were just kind of there. And, and it's a bit of fun yeah. kind of thing. I mentioned Operation Stealth earlier. That's a sort of James Bond rip-off game that, that Delphine did. Yeah. And there's loads of side games in that. There's one where you have to sort of swim through some caverns and stuff. It's all very basic, but yeah. it doesn't add much to the game or, de- you know, detract from it. But same with, this is what, this is what game developers did with, with these games to try yeah. and, try and get a bit more, almost bit more out of them. trying to make the point and click adventure games stand out a little bit more. As in, yeah, it's not just, you know, we, we mix it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, we give, give a bit of action to you old timers that just want to click around. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, okay, so there's, there's more, there's, you know, I think Boris going around the universe, this universe doing dodgy deals with aliens mm-hmm. would, you know, would lend itself good to a, um, 
uh, links up good to a, um, a game these days. I tracked down Ooh. the guy who programmed the Amiga version. Um, really nice guy called Gary Antcliffe. Um, this is, this is a funny story how he got involved with this. So he went to, to Core and initially he was tasked with wor- um, working on an Amiga version of Choplifter. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. We all like a bit of Choplifter. Helicopter game. Yeah, not bad, is it actually? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they couldn't get the license. <laughs> so Core couldn't get the Choplifter license. Um, I guess it's a Sega. Sega game, isn't it? Choplifter? Yeah. They couldn't get the license. Um, a lot of Sega games did, did end up in the Amiga. Thanks, they, Adrian. They, they did. Yeah, back in the day. Uh, so he, so they got him to do Curse of Enchantia first. Uh, and then he went on to, to do Universe. Um, but yeah, I mean, he said here, he, he says it was a big game. I can't remember how many discs it was on. It can't have been as many as Beneath the Steel Sky, but he said, uh, so it was big by Amiga standards. It took them 18 months Ooh. just to code the game. Uh, it's a bit, you know, with it's all the, sh- with all the writing mm. and all the, you know, menagerie things you can do. I feel harsh saying this, but, and I don't want to say 18 months wasted, but it, no one's heard of this game. Why isn't it bigger? I just, I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to marketing, doesn't it? And yeah. like Amiga games and things, like, I remember reading about Amiga games in magazines going down to Electronics Boutique or whatever, and they're not being the game. Like, the game wasn't there. It was only the, the games by the bigger, like mm. like the Delphine Classics Collection and things. Those were guaranteed to be in the shops. Things like True. Universe, things like Dreamweb. Plus, you wouldn't have got they it. might have targeted the wrong customers. They might have targeted the whole universe, not really specific niche segments. Yeah, they're like, uh, uh, dispatch this to the universe. <laughs> Ross is shaking his head. Oh, man. Well, but re- interestingly, Beneath the Seal Sky... Not good with helicopters, mm. but in a weird way, not having this helicopter game helped Universe. That's mad. Yeah. That's mad that you've even put helicopters in that order. Surely there's a helicopter in the last game. Tell there's me a there helicopter. Is. There's a helicopter. <laughs> I don't think so, but oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll find one if there is. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, Gary's done a lot of things actually. He did, he went on to work for Sony. Uh, he did Little Big Planet. Uh, yeah, um, he worked on Medieval sequel, um, Killzone Two, uh, Rigs, which is on the VR. So he's, you know, he went on to have a really great career. Uh, he left the industry. I wouldn't tell me why he left. So we'll uh, just leave that. Have you got it. an issue on the site then? Is that um, yeah? So thank you for for pointing that out. So uh, at the time that this podcast goes out, you can read um, that Gary Ancliffe. Interview and also something associated with Dreamweb, which I'll mention in a moment. Maybe you left to go to university. Oh, oh. I thought my jokes are bad today. Oh man, <laughs> this is why we need Keith here to rein this all in, anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, so I, I asked Gary. I said, you know, he's been he's worked on some big things. I said, is there? Do you reckon any kind of way that universe, you know, could and maybe should mm. should be brought back? So he says this. Uh, I think there's always scope to take old games and bring them into the modern age. Uh, it needs to be done skillfully, though, and I think something like Universe would end up being a big project. Not are they? Uh, I think it would need a lot of detail uh, and more interesting mechanics. So he wasn't a big fan of the, the, the mechanics of the old game. Uh, the player expects so much more from games these days. True. Uh, so the depth of the story and dialogue would need to increase. And there's a lot of dialogue in Universe as it is. Ooh, increase. It's, it needs, he wants more. He wants more dialogue. <laughs> so more reading. No, obviously it'll all be in 
accidents, but then, oh God, the dubbing and, oh God, it's giving me a headache just thinking about it. Uh, I asked him then, you know, could it be done in VR? Uh, and then he has, uh, experience in doing stuff in VR. So he said here, um, could it be done in VR? Yes, to some extent. Uh, but it would probably be quite tough to do. Uh, there are a lot of issues with VR and you have to be very careful so as not to cause simulator sickness. So I think you probably get quite a lot that, of in universe. gravity, can you imagine? Oh god, bounce around those planets. Oh my, yeah, you probably get really sick. I really suffer bad from, like, I've just got a PSVR and I suffer bad from sickness on that, but, um, that, that's a question. That's a, that's a problem for another day, actually. So, uh, so he was the engine lead on rigs, uh, as I mentioned, uh, and they spent a lot of time on that game trying to make it the best we could without making the player sick. I played the Riggs demo, it makes me pretty sick, so, <laughs> you know, um, and this is from a guy who knows what he's talking about, so, Universe, is it going to be a VR game? Let's put it out there, you know, I think it'd be great. Uh, he also says, he goes on to say, a game in VR need, um, needs a high frame rate to reduce the likelihood of sim sickness. You also need to render the view from two viewpoints, one for each eye, that's true. Uh, you need to try to keep things as real as possible. Uh, we often cheat in games to get a high frame rate, but with VR, if you walk close to some objects, you need a good amount of detail for it to fit into your immersive world. So a lot of detail, a high frame rate, and render to two eye buffers is going to be very challenging. I don't think many people are going to want to do this with the universe, but we can hope. We can hope. Uh, so you guys have seen, you guys have seen the game. It's yeah. not just me waffling on about universe. Do you think it's worth it, it reminded me, because I, I, I wouldn't say I played loads of The Dig, but it reminded me of that kind of sort of artistic mm-hmm. style. Maybe not quite as crisp graphics, but is, I think The Dig was a They don't mention The Dig, but I think it was a big influence in it. Yeah. I think The Dig must have come a bit late, later, though, I think. Was it late? I know it was really it was postponed, wasn't it? The dig. I don't know, maybe, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe the same sort of time, actually. By the time it finished, yeah. Um, also, I don't know, the kind of graphics remind me a bit like of um, uh, weird, weird, um, weird Dreams a little bit, that kind of... Yeah. Just, the, just the look and feel of the characters. I know it wasn't the same sort of setting, obviously, but yeah. I've got that kind of sort of nice look. I look good. They look good. I think a way that a, a lot of the, the en- well, I want to say enemies, but they're, they're just other inhabitants of this world. The way they animate, the way they're animated is really scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it looks really weird and really odd, and it does have yeah. that, that's from weird dreams. It does have just that. It's reminded me of the same sort of look and of, feel. Yeah. I like being unnerved though in games. I don't know yeah. if, if our listeners feel the same. I don't know if you guys feel the same. I like being unnerved. I like being taken out of my comfort zone. Yeah, a no, bit I, I like the look games. of it. Um, it just seemed a bit too texty and a bit. It's too texty. And a little bit, you like Rob said earlier, the, the, the options, just, looking around on it, you know, I, I, I want to walk, watch a walkthrough and it's just so many options. I'm like, whoa, that's a little bit too much. I needed a walkthrough back in the day. I mean, yeah. it wasn't, it's not. Like I said, a lot of the puzzles make no sense. Yeah. A lot of the stuff is is on that planetoid at the beginning, which you can go you can go around 360 degrees. Yeah, I noticed that. And it's so yeah. easy to miss a screen with like a rock on it or a, like a metal bar or something that you need on it. You'll just be walking around this planetoid, jumping up and down on this, um, you know, this asteroid trying to get to this top bit and not being able to get in. You, know, mm-hmm. you have to get through like a vent, don't you, to get into the city proper. You won't be able to get in there. You'll just keep on like, I cannot get into this vent. Where is this mist, you know, where is this like mystical, mythical rod, yeah. rod that we need, you know? So. It's like my nightmare of a game. It, this is why I think there's a good game under there. Uh, you know, it got, it got a lot of 
praise at the time because of the art and the way that they put it into the Amiga and because mm. every screen looks really pretty. Like you can't yeah. you can't deny that in universe it all looks gorgeous. I thought it looked like a, a good nineties mid nineties PC adventure, like better yeah. than Amiga. I was surprised it was an Amiga game. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think with MS DOS they must have had more colours to choose from, but when they were scanning it all in um, you know, they were able to, to get it on there. I think maybe the, well, the Amiga was only 256 colors or something, maybe. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, it's, it is something, I think, again, something that's worth picking up. Uh, <laughs> I've made a note here that someone should start a petition. Maybe I should start a petition. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, good. No back of the box, I'm afraid, for this one. That's Sorry. what I was kind of pausing for you and hoping that you come up with. No? I looked, I looked around the whole universe. I couldn't find one. <laughs> You'd be, be looking a long time, right? So yeah, um, universe. The final one, the final one, and probably the most intriguing of the three, the most cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. Of the three is Dreamweb. Dreamweb. Um, it's actually, I think, the most infuriating of the three mm. because it didn't get good reviews no I read about this it, people didn't like it it got very mixed reviews didn't it is that fair it, it divided opinion yeah. I'd say that uh, it again released in 94 so at one point in 94 no <laughs> idea uh, so these these games were all going head to head with each other without really know, like, without, without really knowing it we didn't have all we had was Amiga magazines uh, the did I don't think the the video games programs at the time really went into much detail on Amiga stuff, did they? It was more nope. the console-based nah, stuff. Yeah, it was all consoles, yeah. It was all the console-based stuff. So we only had, it was only people who wrote, who read Amiga Power, who read CU Amiga, yeah. who knew the, these things were happening. So these guys didn't even know they were in competition with each other for how, you know, Amiga games weren't ex- way expensive, but they're about 20, 30 quid, weren't yeah. they? And I think also Sorry. these weren't the kind of games that were really adapted for consoles. No. You, had, you no. would have had other games start out in Amiga get transferred, those obviously get more attention, but yep. something like this, not really so much. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. The point and click ones, and they, they kind of get, you can't, you can only, maybe got them to a mega CD, you could have gotten to a 3DO, I'm clutching at straws here, but yeah, you couldn't yeah. really get these out. So, yeah, Dreamweb, released in 1994, uh, developed by Creative Rea- uh, Reality. Uh, their only other game after this was something called Martian Gothic Unification, which no one has heard of. No. I had to play it via em- emulation. Really good. It's like Resident Evil set on Mars. That, that sounds good. Mm. Again, it got, div- it got divisive reviews. What? On what platform? On, on PlayStation. Oh, right. On PlayStation 1. So this, you know, you, 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 I reckon a copy of that is going to be pretty rare. So if, you, if you've got a copy sounds of interesting. that. interesting. Yeah, it is actually. It's a really interesting game. Um, and I managed to track down oh, here we go. Uh, a guy who worked with Creative Reality on both of those games. So I will go into more, a bit more on that in a moment. So for those of you who don't know what Dreamweb is, it's another point-and-click game, but it's a bit different from the other two, Adrian. How is it different from the other two? Because it's got webs and dreams in it. <laughs> It has got webs and dreams in it. I'm not gonna. I'm not it's, gonna. I know the big difference, and I was quite astounded because it's one of those games I've heard about, but never really. I think I was going towards my more PC days there, and I was like, yeah, uh, you know, moving to the PC. But Dreamweb was it on the PC? Out of interest. Yep, this is an MS DOS okay. game. There you go. My bad. These three games mm-hmm. are all MS DOS games as well. Dreamweb had the version I had, just had text. Yeah. Again, 
but you know, just to fam- re-familiarize myself with it, the walkthrough, the best walkthrough to to look at is the CD-ROM one, which has got all of the mm. the accents and and stuff on it. Um, but yeah, but the big the big difference is if you were a bird and you're flying over this <laughs> cyberpunk pit, the city, that is what you'd be looking at, wouldn't you? The bird's eye view, bird's eye view, <laughs> the top down view. It's like a point and click alien breed, isn't it? It looks it looks like alien breed. <laughs> <laughs> You know what it reminded me of in terms of feel and concept and tone? Hotline Miami? Hotline No, I don't know what Hotline, what is Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami is a more kind of modern game, top-down kind of thing, but it's like hmm. you... I think you might have amnesia, but you keep on like being called the phone to like do these like kind of assassination jobs. Hmm. Holy moly. So, I mean, it's almost... That's almost the plot of Dreamweb. So. I mean, it's got an amazing, like, uh, electro soundtrack. How, how new is this game? Is it real? It's about five, six years oh, old okay. now. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the soundtrack, actually. All three soundtracks of these games are amazing. That's one thing that, again, links them, is they're so immersive and they, you know, they, they improve, you know, some, some music detracts from, uh, atmosphere in games, but these really do improve it. And you know, I'm, I'm. If if someone give me a soundtrack for each one of these, I'd gladly take it. Uh, so yeah, Adrian's right. Rob's right. It's you're from a bird's eye view. Uh, everything is compacted, which is odd because the screen is. You see Ryan, who's the main guy. You see him on the left side all the time. Clicking on him goes into the inventory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then all of the rooms. And I found this really weird at the time, and it, it's, it was weird watching it back. All the rooms are actually as big as the rooms would have been. So a lot of things about video games, a lot of people will tell you about video game design, is that you make environments bigger yeah. than they actually are to get around, isn't it? Greenweb doesn't do that. Every room... Did, did yeah. you notice this? Yeah, that's true, actually, Every think room about it. in yeah. Dreamweb is pretty much as big as it would be. So it's hard, mm. like, for you to get... <laughs> It'd be like two steps to get across the other side of a room. So the opposite of Alien Breed, because they were big rooms. I know, they? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Alien Breed was like multi-screen, multi-screen rooms. But I'm trying the, to think of other games where the rooms are proportioned to real life. You How about things like it. Silent Hill and Resident Evil? Would they? Would you? Not no, because pro- they'd be big. Because because they're third-person games. You yeah. need for the arc and you know, turning the character. You need the rooms to be bigger. With with Dreamweb, it's so odd. It's so odd. And also because everything is like, um, uh, what do you call it? scaled you have to use a little uh the the in the bottom left uh, corner of the screen is a zoom so when you're moving around the cursor and things it's provide giving you like a zoomed version of whatever you're hovering over so mm. if you need something off a table you need to hover your cursor over the table and then look at the zoomed view in the bottom left to see the actual individual objects wow. because we're talking about pixel art some of them don't even look like the things that they meant to be, like a key, will look like a calculator, and you know, it just, it's like like it's, it's like little things like that. People hated that when mm. this game came out. They saw all of these other ones, you know, stuff like Universe, stuff like Beneath the Steel Sky, in open, expansive, yeah, 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 you know, easy to navigate. You go to Dreamweb, and you'll be like, you know, it's it's worse than Universe trying to find a key object because it's all like one, like maybe one or two pixels across some of these things. So people hated it. People are like, um, why, why am I looking top down at this? You know, this is lazy. Yeah, I've never people heard of a it lazy. point and click game that's top down before. Have you played one like that before? This is the first, I think this is the only top down point and click game I've ever played. And it was weird. Unless you count something like Story of Thor, but I guess that was very action based. Yeah, I mean. It did have text in though. Uh, 
you yeah. have to explore. Yeah. Maybe there's others, but I can't think of any top of my head. I'll accept properly. it. I'll accept that there's oh, yeah. nothing else. I can't think of anything else that... Dreamweb 2, maybe? Does that ever Dreamweb come out? Dreamweb 2. Jokes. Yeah. Jokes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it has... That That was the style that they chose. Um, I will read out the plot for people who don't know what Dreamweb is about. Mm. So, uh, this is stolen off my, my favourite website, Wikipedia. Uh, the protagonist and anti-hero... Ooh. That's why it's more cyber, anti-hero, <laughs> cyberpunk. Um, is Ryan, a bartender in a, fut- a futuristic dystopian city, implied to be in England, as evidenced by the use of British English terms such as lift and bonnet. <laughs> bonnet like a car bonnet. <laughs> yep. Who has been plagued by strange dreams of an entity known as the Dream Web. Uh, in the dream that opens the game, Ryan is asked by the master monk of the Keepers to be the deliverer and kill the seven evils. That's not really cyberpunk, but... No, but... You know, roll with the punches. Roll with the punches, Rob. Roll with the punches. Get to what's real. Who are, who are, who are united to break the dream web Ooh. and send mankind spiralling into chaos. So, after Ryan leaves his girlfriend Eden's house to, for work, he learns that due to frequent lateness, his boss has decided to fire him. Oh, no. Bad day for Ryan, right? <laughs> Um, He's such a rebel. <laughs> but, get this right, after hearing Ryan's explanation, i.e. sleep deprivation caused by crazy dreams, he decides to give him a two-week fully paid vacation to recover. <laughs> Sorry, boss. Sorry I'm late again. You're, you're fired. But I had a bad dream. I'll have two weeks <laughs> off fully paid. You fully, whippersnapper. <laughs> fully paid. You're an awful bartender who never turns up, but you're having bad dreams, so I'll give you two weeks. I'm going to try that on my boss. See what happens. What do you reckon? I don't know, man. A bar job seems like something that would be really hard to fill. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, God. Where is Keith when you need him? Anyway, um, on the bar's that TV. Wasn't a, that wasn't a pun. Just oh, inadvertent pun. <laughs> just they're, being the, sarcastic. they're the worst. Um, right, inadvertent pun, right. So, on the bar's TV, uh, Ryan learns the name and location of the first evil, David Crane. <laughs> oh, no. A We've ro- interviewed David Crane, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> David Crane. A rock star who, a rock star, David Crane, who is housed in a hotel for a gig later that night, and so truly begins the first of the seven missions. A real pitfall, even. A pitfall See, of a mission. Um, these seven, is there seven rings of hell? Is that, am I talking rubbish? Um, Dante, uh, Inferno had, I think, yeah. seven circles of hell. And didn't you say e- Eden? Either? Eden. Isn't there's this a lot of little... hell? Yeah, there's a lot mm. of hell sort of, you know, mm. twisted into this. No helicopters yet, though. No, he- no, but hell. <laughs> Helicopter. <laughs> Oh man, I'm really, I'm really sorry, listeners. This yeah, is, yeah. we've, we've, we've gone a bit mad today. Um, it receives, you know, it, it, it I want to say mediocre, but it's bad. They received, the game received bad reviews, but I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was completely mad. Um, that first mission yeah. where you go after David Crane is really, it's, it's all, it's, it's well thought out. It's, you've got to have certain things to get around. And as long as you can find them in pixelated form, then, you know, th- all the puzzles make sense and you have a computer, you log onto a computer to get some files and then you go and get this key and you have to buy a gun from this other guy and then, you know, get some crit. You know, it's all kind of, you know, it's all logical. Yeah. It's all logical. It's great. Um, the second mission, again, logical. Find this, do this, <laughs> get this done. The rest of the game, it's like they were asleep. It's like they were asleep and like, oh, we've said there's seven. 
We've said there's oh, seven, yeah, so we've got a, yeah. so we've got a, you know, whack in another five. And the, the game after the first couple of missions, unfortunately, just feels like it's on autopilot. Like oh. I said, you know, you can download this game, uh, play it on Scum VM, and you'll see it. Just play the first couple of missions, and then I'll tell you what happens at the end in a minute, and then you'll be happy with it. But, it's a it's, it's, isn't that a funky plot for a game? Yeah, I like the sound of it. The look's different as well. I'm, I have to say that, you know when you see the picture of, is it Ryan? Yeah. I don't like the comic book art style. Have you seen, do you know what I mean, the sort of picture of him? The way that they've drawn him. Yeah, it it looks a little bit amateurish. I don't want to sound rude, but it doesn't really... I mean, you know, think about early 90s Amiga art. It just seems very simple colours. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know... What would you liken it to, for people who haven't seen it? it? Well, I think it should be more gritty, sort of like, you know... You know, okay, when you think of Monkey Island, the first game, I loved it when you sort of spoke to some characters and you saw the zoomed in pictures. Yeah. And that was really grisly and a bit raw. And I thought, well, that's this almost, it's so different to the usual game. They scanned them in, didn't they? Yeah. I think. But the picture of Ryan, it just looks like a flat face. Like I could draw him really easy, just like all the same skin tone. And he just looked a little bit. Ryan know. might have been drawn directly onto the game, whereas the stuff in Monkey Island was art. That it was so well done. In, I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting that quality necessarily. Yeah, um, but again, see that that's another another reason why maybe Dreamweb should be picked up again. Yeah, I mean that's what it's up against. That was what it was up against at the time. But uh-huh. yeah, it's a good again, it's a good concept. Yeah, it's a good concept. And what another thing I like with the game, and it came with a little booklet. Ah, yeah. So you heard I've about read about this? this, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, the book, the book is called uh, Diary of a Mad Man. So, the mad is in brackets with a question mark. Yeah. So, it's Diary of a Mad Man. So, he could be a sane man. Is, he could be a sane man, he could be a mad man. <laughs> but, so, I managed to track down the author. Oh, wow. The author of that little booklet, Steve, yeah, yeah. Wow. Who haven't you tracked down? I've been really busy. I've been like really busy. And, you know, um, again, another top bloke, Stephen Marley. Uh, he's an author by trade. Uh, so they got him to do this. I asked him how he got involved with the project. He also wrote the, um, the plot and everything for Martian Gothic. So the okay. two games that, the two big, big-ish games that crea- Creative Reality did, uh, he, he did them for them. So, I tracked him down. I managed to track him down. The other guys who worked on Dreamweb have, have just disappeared off the face of the planet. <laughs> I don't know. They, yeah. Like the Seven Evils? Like the, do you know, yeah, no. Where have they gone? Where have they gone? Wow, really? Yeah, I know. Um, so I asked him on him. Um, so I asked him a few things. So I asked him, um, sort of, where, you know, I said, the story's great. It's really funny because you think that Ryan's absolute, you know, bat poop crazy. Uh, so I asked him, he said, he said this, uh, the game was already completed before I came on the scene. Uh, so there was very little, there was very little creative freedom. Uh, I did play it, so he did play the game, uh, a few times just to get an angle on the background story. Uh, the developers did agree that there was one crucial area where there was a lot of latitude. The protagonist's state of mind. Here's this guy, Ryan, who has a dream in which a man in a red robe tells him to kill seven evil uh, in speech marks, uh, people, uh, and his instant response is, okay, 
Oh. <laughs> well, all right. One of the evil people is a rock star, so that's understandable. But my first reaction to Ryan's prompt acceptance of serial killing was, this guy is fracking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and he puts in brackets, you know you're a nerd when you think fracking is something that happens on Battlestar Galactica. But yeah. <laughs> same as Steven, same as. Um, but so, so they told Steven that Ryan could be pretty bat poop crazy. So it's now, what happens is when you play the game, when you play the game, um, and when, when, well, when you read the book, it's implied that Ryan is descending into psychosis. So he's fabricated, so you think he might have fabricated the whole dream web scenario, so you're playing a nutcase. Uh, the more you play the game, the more it becomes apparent that he's not mad. Oh. That's, that's what- Tad got spoiler me. alert there. That's what, sorry, sorry, spoiler alert. I did say there would be some spoilers. <laughs> yeah, you did, to be fair. That, that, that one's a pretty unavoidable one. Didn't, did instruct them to play the first two episodes. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. And then by that time, you're kind of, alright, so this guy really is in the dream web. So he is being told by these people to kill these people. So, yeah. Um, there is actually a bit, actually. Stephen said something about, um, the story. So, so I asked him, I said, you know, what do you think about the whole, you know, it be- quickly becomes apparent that Ryan's not going mad. Uh, so he says this, uh, it's true that he appears sane in the game, but I had a real difficulty with that. Uh, regarding the red robed figure in an early scene, I wrote down, Santa Claus gave me a gun for Christmas. Wow. You've got to read this little booklet. It's great. Um, that pretty much set the tone for Diary of a Madman. Uh, so I asked him, uh, you know, would you be up for working on Dreamweb, uh, oh. you know, reimagining? And he said, maybe if they offered me a million dollars and a cup of tea and a biscuit. We can sort out the cup of tea and the biscuit. We can. Yeah. Uh, but I have so many original stories in my head. I would prefer, um, uh, much prefer to do one, um, one or more of those. So that's fair enough. Doesn't have to be an original story. The what? Doesn't have to be an original story. Well, it could be like a, a different one, or just well, copying his own one. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be based on the game. Based on the game, but yeah, he he prefer to do his own his own stuff. So he don't. He's he's done with Dreamweb, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so again, you know, please do have a read on the site uh, with uh, with Stephen Marley. Um, the main reason that Dreamweb is famous, yeah, or is in- infamous. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard this. Is because of one scene. Yeah. I'm gonna ask because you've heard of this. Have, have you heard of this, Rob? Ah, uh, no, I didn't get that far in the walkthrough. Ah, so one, I, w- I, w- I'll give you, I'll give the listeners a clue. It starts with P and ends in and ends in Enus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Yep. Is yeah. that something you can zoom in on or? So, <laughs> so David Crane is a rock star, not, not, not the guy who made Pitfall, right? David Crane's a rock star. So you bust in, you know, the whole first mission is you bust in, in, in the hotel. Uh, but then you got, you got to kick the door down. You got to, you got to get in there. So David Crane's having a, a fun time with a young lady. <laughs> so you see that is the first thing. But then obviously she gets a bit scared and jumps off. At which point you see pixelated pee pee. Pixelated PP in an Amiga slash MS DOS game in 1994, and quite early on in the game, isn't it? I assume it's the first mission. The first mission, uh, which if you know what you're doing, takes about 10, 15 minutes to get to. Right. You see the penis. Uh, oh, I just said penis. No, oh, I said it again. I'm sorry. 
I apologize. Family friendly pod. I apologize. Deals. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do apologize. Hopefully Keith can bleep that out later. Why don't uh, you apologize? <laughs> <laughs> it's a scientific word. Okay. I won't apologize. Thanks, Rob. All right. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's really the, yeah. you know, the main reason why. And I think that's sad. I think there's a good, I think there's a good story there. I think if someone did, um, actually just as an aside, the, um, Australia rejected yeah. the original version of the game. They had to put pants on him and then it finally got, they, they finally managed to release it in Australia. They had to put pants on David Crane. Do you see a naked woman in that same scene or? You do, but they're not bothered about giving her pants or anything. But yeah, you do see like mm. pixelated um, lady parts and that. So Dreamweb. Wow. Check it out. Okay, check it out. <laughs> but you know, I think, you know, I think the whole, the whole premise of, you know, if you, if you, if the player didn't know whether he's going mad or not, that could make a really interesting game because yeah. you're doing all these things. I think, you know, something like the Grand Theft Auto, yeah. it's, it's, okay, a lot of it, it's, it's pure, it's pure fantasy on one hand, but it's so grounded on the other. You're, you are mm. a criminal doing criminal things. If you're man told to kill evil people mm. and you're doing all these things, but there are doubts creeping in, like, mm. you know, am I, what, what am I doing here? You know, is he going mad? Why is he killing these people? Yeah. You could really get into people's heads with that. Or even just seeing the journey. I think not enough TV shows start from one person and changing throughout. Mm-hmm. That's why, that's why I like Breaking Bad so much because it's, you it see shows Walter White. Into, yeah. His transformation Heisenberg. over five. Oh, it's yeah. brilliant. So I'm not saying it's similar to Dreamweb, but I kind of get that impression that he, are you on his side or not? Do you agree with him? It, you know. It, yeah. So he starts off as, you know, bad, bad bartender. And now he's Tom Cruise. the original Heisenberg. No, he's and not then really. He's like, and then, he, then you can see him getting worse and worse. And then, yeah. but the only way to complete the game is to is to do what it says and kind of track him down. But again, the original game, uh, you know, I, I tell people to play it. Play the first couple of missions. You'll complete the rest of the game, and no, you know, no problem. The end. You can turn this off now if you if you don't want to know <laughs> what the end of Dreamweb is. But his his reward his reward. Is getting gunned down by the police. So basically, Wait. he kills all of these seven Ooh. people. He returns to the real, the real. So you go to the dream web after each sort of killing. So after, if you killed each person, a little kind of portal uh, opens up. You go into it. You know, you go back to the dream web, check on your progress, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so when you go back into the real world, you get gunned down by the police, and then your soul is sort of evaporated into the dream web. Hmm. Is is that like kind of heaven? Is that what it implies? To I me? guess so. Um, but is it? Is it going to be heaven for a while? But yeah, mad, isn't it? I think you know the whole the whole concept of the game is is crazy. Right? That's why people still talk about it now. It's you know it's it's certainly original, and I like games that try new things. So credit where it's due. Yeah, credit where it's due. Yeah, Dreamweb. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Um, those are my sort of three. Three cyberpunk slash sci-fi games. I've got the back of the box of Dreamweb. You've got back of the box of Dreamweb. Let's really hear quickly. it. Let's hear it, yeah. It was just a dream. It was so real, so vivid. It was just a dream, wasn't it? In your dreams, you travel to the Dreamweb. Everyone does. It affects the plane of your subconscious. Ryan has a disturbing inner turmoil, driving him, testing him, forcing him through this battle of the subconscious mind. The Dreamweb is about to be shattered. Mad. Nice. Crazy. You know, throughout this entire pod, you've kept saying cyberpunk. We haven't even mentioned the most cyberpunk game ever, which came out, I think, slightly before these, also on the Amiga. 
which we will, and we will be covering this game sometime in the next few months. Syndicate. Oh, Syndicate. <laughs> yeah. Say what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Syndicate, I, I think there's, there's, there's definitely, I know Syndicate had Syndicate Wars and other things afterwards, but yep. give me the proper Syndicate back reimagined. Oh, hun- yeah, 100% it. for that, Bay Boy. For sure. Bay Boy, even. I'll take it. I'll take yep. it. But, yeah, so those are my three um, listeners. If, um, you know, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Do you think those three are worth a go? Are there any other obvious ones like Syndicate that I've missed? Um, and, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at UK at Keith Barlow 82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcadeattackuk. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.